to this podcast for St. Peter's Church Greenhill as we seek to become loving, witnessing and growing people. Well, I've got a weird bit of a reading today and I really need some more of it to help the true impact of the reading come through. As it stands, Jesus goes to Jerusalem for a festival happened to be passing a pool near the Sheep Gate where a number of ill people used to gather. Notices something, sorry, notices someone who's been there for 38 years, um, asks him if he wants to be made well. The man says he can't be because others always get to the water before he can when it's stirred up. Jesus tells him to get up and carry his mat or bed which he does. Then we found out that, by the way, this is on the Sabbath. Okay, what an odd little story, which gets even odder when you read the numbering of the Bible verses, which go 5-1, What happened to 5-4? 5-4 has been deliberately left out uh, in a number of translations. All that I've checked have it removed. But most of them have a footnote saying it's been removed and giving the verse. Um, so what happened to 5-4? Well, 5-4 says, and they waited for the moving of the waters. From time to time, an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters. The first one into the pool after each such disturbance would be cured of whatever disease they had. Which makes verse 7 make a little more sense. Uh, the reason that this is removed is that some scholars say it's been added later, but others disagree and it's disputed. Others have suggested that it represents superstition, and so it does not have a place in the Bible. But that could be said of other places as well, and these are left in. But as I said, it does explain the reference to stirring up the water in verse 7. So without it, it's a little bit odd. It would appear that the man thought that, this, that if he was the first into the pool, then he would be healed. And for the purposes of the sermon, we'll assume that it represents what the man believed. If he, could get, uh, if he could get in the water when it was stirred up, then he'd be healed. So it's worth his while waiting there for 38 years. One day, he may be lucky. It also explains why others would gather there as well. It's crowded with sick people hoping to be the lucky one who gets to be healed. What the man does not know is that today he will be healed in a way he does not expect. He also does not know the turmoil that his healing will cause. John's gospel is full of imagery of who Jesus is. His central thesis is that Jesus is the word of God and is with God and in God. He'll use symbology to show this so we need to read the passage in that light. So far in John's Gospel, the Word has been made flesh, Jesus was born. 
He has been identified as the Lamb of God by John the Baptist. He has called his disciples and been identified as the Son of God by Nathaniel. He's turned water into wine. He has spoken to the Samaritan woman and said he can bring living water and tells her he's the Messiah. Finally, he's healed the official's son. We are right at the start of his ministry, but already his stall is set out. He's the Messiah, the Lamb of God, and the purveyor of living water. He's there to lead the Jews out of the wilderness and into God's presence. All of this is important in my coming, uh, in the following verses of our reading. He's also about to set himself up against the authorities, which isn't in our reading, but I will expand into, and to start the path that will lead to his demise and the fulfillment of his mission here on earth. So let's look at the reading again, reading the symbols it contains. Jesus is near the sheep gate. The Lamb of God has come to his gate and met with the people. He comes across people on the margins of society, the ill and the infirm, at the pool of Bethzatha, or Bethsaida, depending on translation, which has various possible meanings, including place of mercy or place of grace, which will be important later in the sermon. Jesus identifies a man who has been there for 38 years. Now that's the length of time that the Jews are in the wilderness, according to Deuteronomy 2.14. This man has been in his own wilderness for all of those 38 years, not able to leave of his own volition and not able to enter the promised land that lies just feet away from him. He can't go backwards and he can't go forwards. Indeed, he no longer even has the energy to try. When Jesus asks him if he wants to be healed, he makes excuses as to why he can't do it. He's unable to see beyond his exile. Even when offered an opportunity, he can no longer believe that it could happen. Whatever we believe about the waters being stirred up and healing being offered, That is what the man believes. If only he can get there and feel the water of healing, then he will be saved. What he doesn't know is that, uh, lost me place there. What he doesn't know is that he's in the presence of a man who can give him living water. He doesn't need water stirred by an angel. He can have water of life and in abundance. Jesus gives him that water and tells him to get up, pick up his mat, and walk. And the man does so. He is healed. Jesus gives the man mercy in the place that he was lying, symbolically acting out the name of the pool. And this takes place on the Sabbath. But so what? Jews are forbidden to work on the Sabbath, But defining what work consists of is up for debate. However, one thing that is banned is bearing a burden or causing others to break the Sabbath by bearing a burden. 
What is not banned on the Sabbath are acts of mercy. So by healing him, Jesus does not break the Sabbath, as it's an act of mercy. But by telling the man to pick up his mat and walk, Jesus does break the Sabbath because he tells someone else to break the Sabbath. What we, mi- what we miss in this section is what happened next. The authorities tell the man he's breaking the Sabbath because he's carrying his mat. But he tells them that he's simply doing what someone told him to do. That means he's not breaking the Sabbath, but the person who told him to is. The problem is that he has no idea who Jesus is. To him, Jesus is just someone who told him to get up and walk. The officials want to know who the guilty person is, but he has no idea. That in itself is interesting. The official whose son Jesus heals asks him to intervene in healing his son. He has faith in Jesus, but this man has no knowledge of him. So what's the message Jesus is giving? Unlike the official, clearly it's not his faith that has healed the man, but he does serve a purpose later in the chapter. Having been healed, the man needs to go and give an offering in the temple so that he can be made clean and take up his rightful place in society. And here, he runs into Jesus, who tells him his sins are forgiven. He's now pure again. Now he knows who Jesus is. But rather than pretend he doesn't and go about his business, he goes and reports Jesus to the authorities. And that's the start of the authorities persecuting Jesus. He's a troublemaker and denies their authority by making people work on the Sabbath. He then does something worse. When challenged about breaking the Sabbath, he says that his father does not stop working and neither will he. He claims to be the son of God before the authorities, a name he's already been given by Nathaniel, but one the authorities don't want to hear. Some of what I've said is setting the scene for later, which others may pick up, but I feel it's important to have gone over those few extra verses. However, what I want to concentrate on now is where we can apply the thoughts and feelings of the man who is the subject of the passage. The man has wanted something for so long, he's beaten down and broken. He no longer has the energy to care, let alone seek a better place. He needs mercy and grace in order to move from his secure place, even if he is in discomfort and sadness. We can end up in the same boat, perhaps through ill health, perhaps through other aspects of life. We can hold on to things that are bad for us because letting go is scarier than staying where we are. At least we know where that is. Jesus wants to meet us where we are. He doesn't ask the man to come to him. He goes where the man is. Just as he relieved him of his burden, he wants to relieve us of our burdens. 
but he can only do that if we're willing participants. Unless we let go, Jesus won't heal us of those burdens. So what is it that we each hold on to, which we really should put down? Scary though it is, try to hand it to Jesus. Try to move from your safe but constraining spot. Get up, take your mat and walk, trusting in Jesus. The man in our story does not know who Jesus is and receives grace and mercy in abundance. We do know him, so how much more grace and mercy does he have for us? But do we truly believe that he will help us? Sit and reflect on this and see if it speaks to you or perhaps to someone you know. Pray about it and offer your burdens to God. And if you want to pray with someone about this later, then members of our prayer team would be happy to do so. Please ask David, uh, myself, Michelle and Sarah if you'd like to receive prayer ministry during the service or after it.